2: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Wrestleomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting On Demand from Buffalo, New York, and today is Friday, December 18th, 2020. We might be having a shorter-than-usual program today. Since last time we talked, I have been on Twitch and have recorded something like two and a half hours of stuff. On Saturday, I was on with the founder of WrestleNomics, former co-host, current AEW vice president. Don't you dare call him just an employee, Chris Harrington, Mookie. We went over the minute-by-minute ratings. You can find that for free for everybody on YouTube, on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel. And then last night, Thursday night, I was talking into the ether on Twitch about television viewership and somewhat about WWE popularity too. We'll get into that here now today as well. WWE is building a new headquarters while I'm building a new television viewership spreadsheet just down the street from the old one. We'll talk about SmackDown, Raw viewership today and how it compares. How it compares to the rest of TV. We're not just going to talk about a bunch of ratings out of context. What do you think this is, a wrestling podcast? WWE Monday Night Raw, this past Monday, while it remains among the most watched programs on cable, five programs on cable on Monday outranked Raw's most viewed hour in the key demo of 18-49. to viewership overall, and viewership within that demographic, both setting what are likely all-time record lows. Certainly all-time record lows since September 2014, which is as far back as the ShowBuzzDaily.com record goes. Estimates and reconciliations that I've tried to make over the entirety of WWE's Raw history going back to 1993 strongly suggests that at least... Among the total viewership, the total audience, this is, again, the lowest audience ever uh, for WWE Raw. But what does that mean in this changing television viewing landscape where people watch uh, television less and less, especially the younger that they are? Let's put these numbers, these record-breaking numbers, in context. As I mentioned, the highest hour of Raw did a 6, ranked 6th on the chart The other two hours were at 10 and 12. The average ranking for RAW since 2015, the average rank in cable on Monday for RAW has been four. They have been on average number four, which really means they're like number three. Because if you average the the three hours rank, which is how they're reported, we've got one row on the Showbiz Daily chart for each hour of RAW. And of course, there are three hours of RAW. So if you adjust that, and just subtract one because... Two would therefore be the highest possible rank for RAW if you averaged it by episode. RAW is consistently the number three program on cable on Monday. We don't have records for the entirety of 2014, but we do beginning with 2015. In 2015, average rank of number three. 2016, average rank of number three. 2017, average rank of number three. 2018, average rank of number three. 2019, average rank of number three. three. 2020, with just two episodes of Raw to go, 50 in the past, 50 episodes already done for the year, average rank for Raw is number five. So they are down one spot. But how does this compare? Oh, but all TV is down. Okay, all TV is down. But let's compare WWE Raw's performance to that of cable in general. What will we use to represent cable in general? Well, turn to your notebooks uh, if you have the notebook at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. And we're going to look at the top 50 cable originals averaged for each year, 2017 through 2020. Looking at the key demo and the total audience. Now we know that cable news, especially in recent years, strongly skews things. So we're going to look at this with all the channels on cable that Showbiz Daily is reporting for, and with CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC excluded. So those two... Those two views we're, we're giving, all of cable, and with the three big cable stations excluded, what do we find when we compare it to W Raw? Let's be clear: W Raw has been doing worse than cable overall in 2019 and 2020. In 2017 and 2018, though, they're doing about the same. So when your friends or strangers on Twitter or corporate executives try to tell you that W ah, W Raw is not that bad, all all television. Is down. Show them this graph, which shows in 2019, before the pandemic, before there were no crowds out there and you had that excuse. Show them this, where in 2019, Raw is down 17% from the prior year in the Key Demo, compared to Cable Overall, down 13%, and Cable X, Cable News, down 11%. And that trend in the Key Demo continues into 2020, where Raw is down 29% as we sit here today, compared to cable without the, the three big cable news channels down 24% raw down 29 cable without the news down 24 with the news it's actually even zero no change from the prior year ah, but but what if your friend says ah the the key demo is just something that's been invented by the AEW conspiracy press team to confuse and distract and mislead people into thinking that WWE's not doing as well as it really is what if What if they say that we'll show them this graph that is immediately to the right of the one that we were just talking about, which shows total audience, everybody over the age of two in 2019, before there was a pandemic, the audience was down from the prior year by 14%, 14% non news cable down 7% again, raw down 14% raw went down at twice. The rate cable with the news included down 9% and the trend of doing worse then the rest of cable generally continues into 2020. Raw is down 22% from the year prior. Non-cable news is down 16%. Again, Raw down 22%. Non-news cable down 16%. All of cable with the news included is up an astounding 37% in this media environment. Up 37%. So again, whether we're talking about the key demo, whether we're talking about the total audience... Yes, TV overall is down. The top 50 cable originals overall are down. But in the last two years, WWE Raw is down worse. But all TV is down. WWE is down worse. But but I, I know what your your friend is thinking. He's saying, but but this is this is 2020. This is COVID, and there's there's no live audience. But but it's been down throughout 2019 as well as 2020. Before anybody heard of COVID 19, this trend was happening. The most consistent set of data we have for SmackDown is the the mid 2016 to. Uh, September 2019 run that SmackDown had when it was live on Tuesday nights on the USA Network. And over that period of time, depending on how you slice it and do the comparison, but I found at least one way to show that it looks like SmackDown is holding up better from 2016 to September 2019, holding up better than cable overall using the same Cable and non-news cable comparisons. You can see the table showing that in the notebook. However, I see SmackDown's run on Fox not doing quite as well as the 2016 to 2019 USA run. SmackDown on Fox, which has been on Fox since October 2019. I am excluding preemptions to FS1 here, by the way which would not be favorable to WWE. But in a comparison of November 2019 to November 2020, we're going to get rid of October 2019 because that was a really big uh, number month for SmackDown because that involved the debut, which it did a huge number. If we included that number, that would uh, exaggerate the, the amount of viewership lost because we would be starting out from such a high peak and then comparing it to a later period that is lower. So we get rid of October, that first month, and we start with November 2019, compare it to November 2020. Key demo compared to non-news cable, very similar. SmackDown down 22%, non-news cable down 25%. We're getting less clarity here with SmackDown because the way it shows daily reports... Uh, broadcast programs on the major broadcast networks, they're reporting to one decimal place. Cable's getting reported to two decimal places. So it's possible we're missing something in the rounding here. But let's give it the benefit of the doubt. Total viewership holding up very similar as well along the same timeline. Down 14%, non-news cable down 16%. So again, looking a little bit better than cable overall. Let's not even talk about all cable, including news, because it's grown over this, this period of time. If we look at the month right before the pandemic, February 2020, and look at uh, February 2020 compared to November 2020, we find Key Demo down 19% compared to Non-News down 16%. So SmackDown looks worse by that comparison. Total Audience down 16% compared to Non-News Cable down only 8%. SmackDown looks as if it has suffered at twice the rate of non-news cable in total audience. NXT, by the way, has suffered at the rate of 32% in the key demo from February to November, and 15% in total audience. Both of those rates exceed that of non-news cable, the top 50. Same comparison for AEW Dynamite in the key demo down just 3%. Total audience down just 13%. So that total audience for AEW Dynamite is worse Than that of non-news cables. Total audience suffering a little bit worse. Than non-news cables 8%. But Key Demo only down 3%. To non-news cables 16%. So I think what we have here is at best a middling story. For WWE Smackdown. A bad story for WWE Raw. And a bad story for WWE NXT. Compared to the trends of, of cable overall. If all TV is down. Raw and NXT are certainly down worse. And Smackdown is maybe the same. All right, but but why do people focus so much on the TV ratings? Maybe, maybe TV ratings don't matter. Maybe, even though let's let's forget for a moment that WWE makes the majority of its revenue from TV rights. But let's let's imagine for a moment that TV ratings don't matter, and you really need to focus on other things that maybe don't suit. Your narrative. Let's see. Let's look at live events. Live events aren't an old dying media like linear TV is. Let's look at ticket sales. Now there won't be much 2020 data, but let's look at the years before 2020. It's there for you in the notebook. Main roster attendance, North America. Total attendance peaked in 2017 with about 1.8 million paid ticket sales, 2017. But then it was down in 2018. And then it was down again in 2019. That's not just house show sales. That includes television tapings, pay-per-views, all events for the main roster. North America, down since 2017, to- total attendance. But, but what about average attendance? Maybe it's just down because WWE is running fewer events. No, WWE has run more events through those years. Average attendance has been down since 2015. 6,000. 6,000 per show on average in 2014 and 2015. And it's been down a few hundred each year since. Finishing in 2019 with 5,100. Down from 2015's 6,000. The average fell by 900 ticket sales per event. But, but that's, just, that's just North America. WWE is very popular throughout the world and internationally where they don't tour as much. Maybe those markets aren't saturated. The enthusiasm about ticket sales is stronger. And the average attendance per event is often higher. Main roster international paid attendance peaked in 2015. Total attendance of 409,000. And international total paid attendance fell each year through 2019. Again, 409,000 in 2015 down to 225,000 in 2019. Almost falling in half. But maybe, maybe that's just due to fewer events. What about average attendance? Average international paid attendance peaked in 2016 at 7,500 per show. It was down in 2017 to 5,700 and was up in 2018 to 6,200. But then in 2019, it was down to 4,500. Down to 4,500 when we remember just three years prior to that, 7,500, 3,000 higher. Main roster international paid attendance. Total and average attendance, domestically and internationally, all down. But where am I getting this information from? The dirt sheets? This information comes from WB's SEC filings, which you can look at for yourself on corporate.w.com. NXT attendance too, by the way. Average and total attendance down since 2016. You can also find that in the SEC filings. But what about merchandise? Venue merchandise is down. Because total attendance is down, you've got fewer people in the building, you've got fewer people to sell merchandise to. But even online orders have been down since 2017. Product licensing, which includes sales of things like the video games that WWE licenses to 2K Sports, which includes action figures that WWE licenses to Mattel. WWE's product licensing revenue has been down since 2017. But talking about ticket sales and merchandise sales isn't fair. When you're trying to have a conversation in 2020, maybe. And maybe things have turned around in 2020. As we just reviewed, TV viewership doesn't show that, but maybe other areas do. And look, W Network paid subscribers in Q3 2020 were at 1.6 million, up by 100,000 from the Q3 of the prior year. W Network subs were up internationally and domestically. Now, average paid subs. We're down quarterly for five consecutive quarters before that. But W Network paid subscribers in the most recent quarter were up year over year from the Q3 of the prior year. Now, according to some data I've seen from Nielsen, uh, people are adopting streaming video platforms more, especially since COVID. People spending more time at home. Maybe that has something to do. Maybe the overall consumer behavior has something to do with the increase in paid subscribers to the W Network. but. W Network subs, last quarter, were up. What about other forms of new media? YouTube views, which we can see from socialblade.com. YouTube views in 2020 have been through the roof. YouTube views in 2019 were actually down slightly from 2018. But but 2020, every monthly comparison, the January, for example, compared to the January of the the prior year, and so on, every monthly comparison has been beating... uh, the 2019 monthly total for video views in 2020, each month. Somewhere between 700 million video views and 1.8 billion video views per month. That is enormous, and YouTube does generate ad revenue. How much? We don't know. It's obscured in the ads and sponsorships line within the WWE media division. Yes, WWE is a publicly traded company, but they do not give all of the granularity that we want, that we might be curious about. Many areas of business are bundled up together without further detail, and YouTube is one of them, which is bundled up with things like on-air sponsorships, probably ads that you see on the W Network, as well as on-air sponsorships during Raw and SmackDown NXT. But Laura Martin from Needham in, 2000, uh, in January 2020 Estimated that in the prior year, in 2019, W made $20 million on YouTube. Maybe they're set to make even more this year. It's hard to make a good estimate without knowing the geography from which the video views are coming from. But let's say, I mean, do the math, compare this year, January to November, to last year of January to November, and W YouTube views are up 63%. If YouTube revenue is up 63% from the estimated 20% of 2019, you'd end up with about $33 million for WWE's YouTube. For context, the money that Raw, SmackDown, and NXT are generating on Linear TV is 16 times that. But $30 million is not bad. But that's in the grand scheme of WWE's overall revenue. That's about 3% of WWE's overall revenue. So two forms of new media which are being increasingly adopted by consumers, streaming video a subscription streaming video in the case of W Network, ad-supported streaming video in the case of YouTube. Those two metrics show signs of life, especially YouTube. Now, we don't have something that I would call a volume adjustment to weigh that against, which is kind of what we tried to do when we looked at TV ratings to say, what, what is the overall consumer behavior like? And let's use that to adjust or balance for what's happening with this wrestling company. It would be good, for example, to, to be able to know what are the total number of YouTube views year over year. Uh, I, I don't know where that, where I could find that information. Maybe that information is out there somewhere, but I haven't found it yet. But if we look at a different form of media use, Google web search, the data that we can find at Google trends is volume adjusted according to Google trends. Each data point is divided by the total searches of the geography and time range it represents to compare relative popularity. Again, the key there, each data point is divided by the total number of searches according to the geography and range of time that you're looking at. So I would imagine that Google Web Searches, the total volume of Google Web Searches in general, has increased over time. So to adjust for that, Google Trends presents data that is adjusted for the total volume of searches. So what do we find there? Google Trends actually lets us look at YouTube searches as well as Google web searches. And I don't know, but I would hypothesize that YouTube searches are correlated well to YouTube views. And, and again, these YouTube searches are volume adjusted. YouTube searches related to WB. And when I say related to W, am not just talking about the searches for the three characters, W. We, but I'm talking about a category of terms that Google, in its artificially intelligent wisdom, decides are related to WWE. YouTube searches for WWE worldwide are at an all-time low so far in 2020, with one month to go in the year. YouTube search related to WWE has got a Google Trends number, which is being standardized to 100 of 38, lower than any year going back to 2008. That's worldwide, but in the U.S., things do look better. A standardized score of 58, that is the highest since it was 60 in 2016. So at a low point worldwide, but the highest number of Google of YouTube searches in the last four years. But what about web search? In 2020 so far, with one month to go, the average standardized score is down to 27 worldwide for Google web searches related to WWE. That is the lowest that it's been for an entire year since 2004, which is as far back as the Google Trends timeline goes. A 27 for 2020. The next lowest number on the chart for worldwide Google Web Searches for WWE was the year prior, 2019, at a 36. So at a low point worldwide for both YouTube and Google Web Search. What about the U.S., though? The lowest since 2004. 2020 in the U.S. has got a score of 35. That is the lowest year on the chart with the exception of 2004 again this is volume adjusted there are probably far more searches for wwe in 2020 than there were in 2004 but this is being compared to the overall number of google searches as consumer behavior has changed over time so if i'm trying to tell a positive story about WWE's popularity, not just its finances. Its finances are great. If you listen to this program a lot, you know that. the WWE is going to have its most profitable year ever this year. Even adjusted for inflation. Its most profitable year ever. It is likely to break that record again in 2021. This, as you may know, is all due to the guaranteed escalating nature of WWE's TV rights contracts throughout the world, but especially in the United States. But a popularity story? Well... Online merchandise sales are up in 2020, somewhat but not totally offsetting the lack of any venue merchandise. W Network subscribers in the most recently reported quarter were up, the first time that they've been up throughout a quarter in over a year. YouTube views are through the roof. For whatever it's worth, YouTube searches are down, though. Web searches are down. Attendance, the last time we ran events, was down. Merchandise, the last time we had. Venue merch and online merch together was down. Product licensing revenues were down. Product licensing in this year, 2020, through nine months, is about even with the last two years. Up about $2 million from the first nine months of 2019. Almost exactly the same as the first nine months of 2018. But the metrics are related to the area where I drive the majority of my revenue. TV ratings. I'm suffering worse than the ecosystem generally. So I've gone on the preceding 12-minute rant and reciting of facts and figures to show that there are a number of other metrics that suggest WWE's popularity is in decline and that there are relatively few metrics suggesting the opposite. In other words, the WWE ratings decline is real. But don't don't worry, WWE is hard at work at correcting it. In fact, they've been working on this problem for years.
3: So everybody wants to know what's, what's going on with Monday Night Raw. Well, I'm sure you've asked that question.
0: We're out here tonight because um, we haven't been doing a very good job for you lately.
1: And more importantly, we're going to give you what you want.
2: February 2019. And this year, you know, leading
3: up to where we are now, we've had an ornate number of, of injuries
2: later in February 2019. And we think it's cyclical. Vince touched on it on the earnings call in terms of the injuries
1: we had in 2018. That, that created a little bit of a speed bump for us. And we saw it in various
2: places, which is why we think it is cyclical. April
3: 2019. We had a, a, a very unusual. Um, situation in terms of
2: talents, top talents, as well as mid-card talents being out. July 2019. You know, there's been a lot of press written about the sort of state of the product or state of the content. Big Variety article recently about some of the engagement and ratings trends. You guys sound pretty optimistic that you've turned the corner.
3: There, there's a, you know, we, we've hired new people in a writing team. Um, that uh, they're really going to help us out in terms of uh, television, and television ratings, and digital, and social, all that sort of stuff. We've got a new team in terms of live events uh, that have just started now. So we'll see the live events going to continue the, you know, on an uh, upward uh, trend. Um, we uh, have definitely turned the corner. And again, as I mentioned, you know, we have uh, executive directors with each brand now. They're going to go into more depth, I think, that uh, notwithstanding that, we have spent more time on uh, storylines, good ones, uh, and also talent development. Uh, It's a combination of a lot of things, all good things thus far, uh, coming together and what I guess I'd call a relaunch in terms of our our content. October
1: 2019. Um, But I think it's fair to say that, you know, it's not what we want it to be, and so we continue to be super focused on on uh, uh, the core in-ring content, especially those three areas that I, I mentioned. The storytelling, the creation of that, the attracting, developing, and retaining the talent, and then the production
2: elements themselves. February 2020.
3: What, what have you done specifically um, over the last several quarters to improve um, uh, upon the content um, and engagement? Bringing on new talent uh, is paramount. Uh, you can just see, again, with the ratings, uh, the current ratings notwithstanding what's going to happen in the first quarter, um, you can see there's growth there, uh, and, again, yeah, it's sort of like uh, the investment. At one time, we had a lot of talent that was injured. It, we don't have that right now. April 2020. Ratings for both and SmackDown have uh, appeared soft here uh, the past couple weeks, which is a bit surprising since you guys are, you know, basically the only live sports content on television ratings and whatever your concern. Um Smackdown has virtually been no change. Very little. Raw has suffered, uh, but not necessarily because of the environment. It's suffered uh, because uh, we bring in a lot of new talent uh, into Raw, and it takes a while to get these new talents over. We no longer have Brock Lesnar, obviously, but
2: we have a new champion. July 2020. 2020. It sucked to make Raw and Smackdown feel more useful,
3: uh, that is where we're going, um, and I just, as far as continuing on, I, I said what with you and building characters, you always have to build characters, uh, constantly.
2: October, 2020. Um, if ratings remain at or below current levels,
3: uh, do you think this impacts the overall value of the rights um, heading into the next uh, contract renewal cycle? Well, firstly, um, consider this. When you look at television ratings in and of themselves, that's what they are. With us, it's one of our many measurements. So because when you look at, in total, well, everyone who looks at WD through the course of the year, wow, well, when you get into Type 42, et cetera, et cetera, we have far more fans now than we have ever had. So, when you look at television ratings, it is what this we increase
2: the That is the definition of insanity. And when you listen to that final clip that you just heard from Vince McMahon where he says quote, "We have far more fans now than we have ever had end quote. If you were listening for the previous 30 minutes, it, that just doesn't stand to reason. I just detailed negative trends in TV ratings below the trends of cable TV overall in attendance in merchandise sales until this most recent quarter in W network subscribers, Google web searches at a low point and the CEO, the chairman Class B shareholder head of creative is on earnings calls, lining up one excuse after another quarter after quarter. And on the most recent one, saying that WWE has more fans than ever. You have more revenue and more net income than ever, due to nothing so much internal as the external effects related to the explosion in the value of live sports content. What numbers is Vince McMahon looking at? He must be looking at some kind of special internal data, because I can't find anything that reflects that reality that he describes when I look at any of the public data ...that I can find, or any of the data that WB itself publishes with the Securities and Exchanges Commission. And then, I'm hearing reactions and analysis. What can WWE do to turn it around? Well, maybe they can... They really need to... Alice McCarthy has an article published today with TalkSport.com. Today being Friday. Alex writes that a source that he spoke with at WWE, quote, went on to say WWE are hoping the Royal Rumble can act as something of a big reset for them. So it will be interesting to see what fresh directions the company look to go in from there, end quote. That is the definition of insanity. What can WWE do to turn things around? Can they fix Raw as if that is possible with the creative leadership involved? The CEO, the chairman the board of directors, the class B controlling shareholder, is the head of creative. He will not voluntarily relieve himself from being head of creative. The article from Alex McCarthy also notes that the USA Network is furious, according to the source at WWE. Quote, they want more adult content, not sexy adult, but dark and violent adult. I recall now an article in Variety by Gavin Bridge from late September this year, which included a survey conducted by Variety and UGov, surveying 471 adults age 18 or older who used to watch wrestling. Top reason why these U.S. viewers stopped watching professional wrestling, 30% of them said, it seemed more cartoonish than when I liked it. But more to the point, do the executives at NBC Universal, the parent company of the USA Network. Do the people at NBC Universal understand that the problem is Vince? You can have this reset and that brand split and this reshuffle and that shakeup and this idea, Raw Underground, Thunderdome, Raw Reunion, Raw 25, the special guest return of Steve Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker, a draft episode. You can have the McMahon family trot out to the ring and admit that the show sucks and that they're going to fix it, as they did two years ago this week, wishing nothing but the best of health to Mr. McMahon. The trajectory of the main roster brands, Raw and SmackDown, are not going to change while Vince McMahon remains the head of creative. The program that is by far the USA Network's leading show for viewership and for the key demo Monday Night Raw, that occupies the entire primetime slot on that night, every week, 52 weeks a year, is in a decline that is not reversible while Vince McMahon continues to direct this show. NBC Universal can suggest all the 24-7 title ideas and dark and violent concept adult concept ideas that they can creatively come up with. The problem is that Vince McMahon is making and has made for many years a bad TV product. What does the five-year outlook of this company look like with the continuation of this trajectory? What does it look like for the USA Network? SmackDown is holding up better. What does it look like for Fox, though, or whoever ends up owning the rights to SmackDown? The hallmarks of Vince's modern creative style include a misevaluation of talent, the chronic undermining of their star power, an inability to stick to and execute long-term story arcs, a hyper-scripted and overproduced program that is a real challenge to develop any emotional investment in. Vince has spent the better part of the last two decades crafting this complicated maze of corporate buzzwords, dizzying camera work, sophomoric humor, and broken logic. These are weekly programs that lack any relatable moral center. They lean far away from the reliable devices of sports. And these weekly programs and monthly pay-per-views seem to be finished with the gloss of customer resentment. It's almost as if this programming, which Shows more self loathing than self awareness is one that is created by a 70 something libertarian billionaire. 2004, the interview with the Hollywood Reporter. Vince is being asked whether he thinks W will continue to thrive when he's no longer at the helm. Vince said, Oh, uh, this is, this is 2004, Vince, so it's not quite as gravelly, gravelly yet. More of the announcer, Vince. I think my idea of retirement might be to one day work, a 40-hour work week. At the same time, I don't want to be an impediment to progress. This doesn't sound like Vince at all. (laughs) At the same time, I don't want to be an impediment to progress. Some people, when they get up there in age, tend to be a little too conservative, not want to take as many chances. And I know people around me, not just my family, will let me know if I don't know it myself, and hopefully I will, end quote. I know I've referenced this uh, excerpt from this interview a number of times, probably on this podcast, and certainly in writing I have. And just how can you not see it? And who's doing that? Vince here expresses 16 years ago that he wants somebody in his family, and not and not just in his family, to let him know if he's being an impediment to progress. Have Stephanie and Paul had that? conversation with him? Have any of the executives at NBC Universal had that conversation with him? WWE is a very strong company financially but the giant is bleeding. It'll take a very long time to bleed out but it's been bleeding for a while and the bleeding gets a little more rapid each year and each year if you're overseeing the USA Network you know the number of really strong programs that you have, certainly when it comes to live and same day viewership, across television get fewer and fewer each year in the world of linear TV, the disparity in the programming between the haves and the have-nots, a disparity gets wider, a little wider each year. The big programs become more valuable, and that's why big programs like W Raw. Have gotten big upgrades and get paid escalating fees. Guaranteed money for the content provider, guaranteed money for the wrestling company, with no guarantee to the network about what viewership the programs have to provide. If I'll get to the point, what I'm saying is over time, Raw becomes increasingly important to the USA Network. Raw is slowly bleeding. If someday the bottom really falls out, what's left of the USA Network? What property are they going to have to pay a premium on to replace Raw with? And Vince has been a good corporate manager while he has been a progressively bad booker and head of creative. He's put people in charge who had competent and ambitious visions for the company, not always as successful as they had hoped, namely in regard to the WWE Network, but they've strengthened the reputation of the brand, they've enhanced the their ability to attract advertisers. They've invested heavily in new media and social and digital media and streaming platforms. They've greatly increased the value of SmackDown by splitting off its roster again and more than tripling their TV rights. They've attracted an executive like Nick Khan, who seems well-suited to put WWE in a position to negotiate favorable TV rights fees in the future but the product that Nikon has to deal which is great by nature, live sports but in specific is a bad product that is turning people away and making it less popular and less viewed Uh, whatever digital and social comments and videos and things of that that nature notwithstanding that Vince was referring to earlier to explain that WWE has more fans now than at any time in the past That's just nonsense. That's just not reality. Vince already left the door open and disgruntled fans and wrestlers and allowed the AEW opportunity to exist. Because make no mistake about it, if WWE was a good product, there would be no space for AEW to exist. AEW exists because the WWE main roster product has frustrated people who love wrestling and want to see wrestling be good again. AEW exists because talent are not creatively satisfied in WWE and have left for that reason. Or talent who have never really worked for WWE know that there's no reason to expect that they will be creatively satisfied there and won't work for that company in the first place. And there are many other necessary conditions for AEW to exist, including the TV rights ecosystem, including the talent and the personnel involved. But one of those necessary conditions are the conditions generated by the creative output of Vince McMahon. For two decades, WWE liked to talk about how their real competition was football and Disney and the most popular entertainment products in the world. Now they have a real wrestling competitor for the first time in 20 years. Probably right now generating about a tenth of the revenue, but on primetime cable on a competing network to the USA Network, TNT. Vince is not going to wake up one day and be a good booker. I heard that Vince used to be a no excuses guy and that he used to know the difference between internal and external problems. But these dynamics where you're making more money than ever and more profit than ever and this phase of new media with growing social and digital metrics that you can tell yourself a story are offsetting the old traditional metrics. In those, he has found the lines to tell himself the story that WWE has more fans than ever. Or at least that's what he says on public earnings calls. Anyway, the point is, Vince can still be a competent and effective corporate manager, but his time of being an effective head of creative is up. It was up a long time ago. And if he was sincere in that 2004 interview, if that is a sentiment that he truly held or that he holds today, who is going to do it? Who is going to give him that talk? Maybe Paul and Stephanie, maybe the executives at NBC Universal or they can choose to go down with those delusions and that legacy as well. That's it for today. Just one topic, one monologue. You can check out the notebook. It's got more viewership information in there. It's got some distribution charts showing the distribution of the age of wrestlers Among various geographies. And the interesting discrepancies you'll see in there from one country to another. I'm going to dump all the uh, viewership charts I've looked at there as well. You can get that notebook as always. Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. $5 a month. Thanks again to Corey Gibson and Matt Schroeder. For the invaluable help that they've given me collecting data. Data that helps me uh, do much of the analysis that you Hear and read, and sometimes watch, from me, uh, and throughout all the, all the WrestleNomics work. Uh, this past Saturday, if you haven't heard, I did a about an hour and a half. I think you referred to it earlier on in the beginning of the program. But I did about an hour and a half, I think over an hour and a half, with Chris Harrington. We streamed live on Twitch, but it is on the YouTube channel. We we went through his minute by minute spreadsheet, opened up Excel, shared the screen, and we talked about it. Uh, I will admit, I am new to Twitch, so, uh, at the time, I had not, uh, I didn't know how to configure the settings quite right, so the picture is kind of blurry. But I am learning, and I'm, I'm experimenting with Twitch more. Again, I I did something Thursday night, and I think I've got the, uh, got the video, uh, figured out where you can see the screen pretty sharp and high-res, so I'm, I might be experimenting with that more in the future. We'll see. Watch for the, the random, uh, WrestleNomics Twitter to, uh, to tweet out twitch.tv slash WrestleNomics. And thanks to Everything Elite, a podcast you can find on this Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Mike Spears had me on as a guest for one of their Patreon programs that was just released this past Monday. You can check that out at patreon.com slash Everything Elite. You can learn stuff and read stuff about the professional wrestling business at WrestleNomics.com and have an ad-free experience. You can follow WrestleNomics on Twitter at WrestleNomics. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'll talk to you next time.